Hey guys, welcome to episode number eight of the Jayzilla podcast. I am your host, Gino Manley. And if you're one of our regular listeners, all two or three of you, you're going to notice a certain theme Rick and I are starting to develop during our interviews. And we like to get names from these guys. And uh, with those names, we go after those guys and try to get them on the show and hear some of their stories, experiences. Uh, and tonight's no different. If you remember back to episode number six, uh, Patrick Doherty's interview, which if you haven't listened to that, go back now and listen to that. We asked Patrick to name his pretend uh, four-person NASCAR team. And one of those drivers was Mr. Eric Olson. And that name should ring a bell with a bunch of you guys. Eric's a, one of our Jayzilla regulars, super talented driver. But he also does a bunch of other events outside of just Jayzilla stuff, including drift events, uh, mountain runs, uh, time attacks. So he's uh, one of those guys that uh, does a lot of stuff outside. And we thought he'd be the perfect guest for tonight. Uh, so he was nice enough to actually drive to Rick's house and help record an episode with us. Uh, but that being said, I do want to apologize for about the first five minutes of the uh, the interview. The audio isn't the best quality. There's some delay and some overrun. So if you guys don't mind listening through it, it does clear up. Uh, and some of the content is just really awesome. So uh, we hope you enjoy episode number eight, an interview with Mr. Eric Olson. All right, guys, welcome to episode number eight of the Jays of podcast. Our guest tonight, as we mentioned in the intro, is Mr. Eric Olson. Uh, I guess they're coming live from Rick's house. So, Rick, how are things up in Atlanta tonight? Man, they're good. We're in uh, what used to be my, quote, racing room, which had two iRacing rigs and was a nice little man cave in the basement. Now, as Eric has witnessed, it's full of everything that the kids didn't need and my wife didn't need. So my man cave has been decimated. But I've got Eric here. Eric, how are you doing tonight? Awesome. Well, thanks for coming good. on. If you guys are one of our regulars, if you don't know Eric, uh, which I would be surprised as usual, um, super talented guy, a lot of car control skills, uh, blasts around our events in his MR2. Uh, he's on the night because in Patrick Doherty's NASCAR team, he would be one of the drivers. So uh, Rick and I chased after him and got him on the night. But uh, if you uh, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, Eric, and uh, you know, give us a little introduction. Uh, well, you know, I like to do all sorts of things with cars, drifting, tra- uh, track days, autocross, not so much anymore, but you know, I have my MR2 and I uh, picked up a 350Z to get a little more heavy into drifting. Uh, I have a K-Series in the MR2, put lots of work into that, but it really paid off and have been able to keep up with some people with more power like Turbo Rick over here, you know. Uh, I really enjoy JZL events. They put on about the best track day I've ever been to, the the family aspect and Going fast with your friends is gotcha. nothing well, can match Why don't you tell us a little about yourself man, as far as uh, what do you do for a living and just a little background because uh, I, I don't think a lot of guys know you. I, personally, I, I don't know a lot about you myself and uh, you know, what's going on for a living. And uh, Are you based in Atlanta? Or? Uh, well, you can uh, put another tally on the IT person. I'm a software developer, so <laughs> another one there. I uh, work for a company called Boats Group. Basically, I work from home, which is awesome. If there's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, track day sort of thing, I can just get off whenever I want. So that's pretty great. That seems to be a theme with our IT guys is the work from home and uh, tinkering with cars and track days all go together with IT. Yeah, definitely. Gotcha. So well, why don't we jump in a little bit and talk about about the MR2. As long as I've been around, I remember it used to be yellow, and I guess now it's blue. I mean, what are the origins of that car, and how long have you had it? So back in college, I had, I had a Civic that I started autocrossing in, and I kind of knew that wasn't going to be my car for forever, and I didn't put much money into it. But I had fun throwing it around the autocross course and learning it. 
I had my eyes on my friend's blue MR2 Spider for literally four years, I think. He was trying to sell it, and I was trying to convince my parents to let me buy it because, you know, in college, still dependent on them financially. So he, ha- he had it trying to, trying to sell that for about four years. He was slowly dropping the price, and finally I convinced my parents I was about to graduate college, and it was almost like a little early graduation present. Picked up that blue MR2 and fell in love with it. I absolutely love the uniqueness of it and the way it handles mid-engine rotation is like right up my alley. I absolutely love the handling. Uh, I started autocross. I, I think I autocrossed it the weekend I got it. It started doing track days in that. I even did a couple drift days in, in it at first. Uh, after a little bit of seat time and getting more comfortable with the car, I realized I wanted some more power. And after years of saving for a K-swap, I did that. Started putting different things like coilovers and uh, seats and harnesses and roll bars and everything before that as well. Uh, so and it, what ended up happening to that one was at my first global time attack event after several iTrack uh, competitions, my first big time show on Thursday, the first day practice, I put it in turn one wall at Road Atlanta <laughs> and totaled that car. So uh, my friend from Florida, who I actually had autocrossed against in the blue car, he was selling a yellow shell that... I ended up picking up for pretty cheap and swapping literally everything over from the blue car to the yellow car. I, I have a hard time calling it a different car because almost more than half the parts are from the original car and it feels exactly the same as the original car. So that's when I got the yellow car. And it's really funny that it took so long for me to change the color from yellow to blue <laughs> again, because when we first picked it up, my wife looked at it and was like, nah, you're changing the color of that car immediately. And I'm like, you you know, this is going to cost money to paint it and stuff, you know, trying to get the wife on board to make sure she's, she knows what's involved with changing the color. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care if you pay $5,000 to change the color of that car. It's, I don't like it. It's not you. You're changing it. Well, about two and a half or three years after I got the car, I finally plopped down just not even that much, just a little bit of money to have it wrapped. It took me way too long to change the yellow car. But now it's a pretty bright blue and uh, actually looking pretty good for the first time in numerous years. And it is a a fantastic car. And like a lot of the cars you guys have, it's swap. So when did the swap come along and what was your experience going through the swap? So the swap was after many years of uh, saving and research. I originally was debating between a K20, which is what I ended up with, and the 2GR, which is a Toyota V6. For those that don't know, the K20 is the four-cylinder Honda motor from Acura uh, RSX Type S. Um, Basically, I really liked the idea of the high RPMs. It felt like it fit the character of the car. Uh, the swap was a very involved process. I knew nothing. I, I could do like brake changes, oil changes, maybe, you know, top off the coolant. My friend who is a mechanic, you know, shade tree mechanic kind of guy, he convinced me, yeah, we could figure this out. Let's do it. Well, about nine months later, and when the, the original plan was one month, maybe two, nine months later, and after me buying a second engine block later, I finally had a running K20 MR2, and uh, I'll tell you, first time I got on the street and had a, a friend, uh, another friend, helping me street tune it and getting to roll into the throttle and floor it for the first time and feel all that power, I was giddy as a schoolgirl. I loved that thing so much. I was to the moon with how fast it was. Every swap is better if it takes longer. It's really annoying while you do it, and then that payoff when you finally get it. 
my wife would disagree. <laughs> and I might disagree a little bit as well. Maybe, maybe like double, like four months would have been okay, but nine months. And by the way, that was my daily driver, my only car. Uh, my, I, we did the swap at my friend's place over in Canton, and I, I lived in Sugar Hill, Buford area, which was about an hour away. I borrowed my cousin's truck for a while, but then his uh, registration expired. So I had to borrow my wife's car when, on the weekends to go. It was a whole big mess. Took a long time, but it finally got done. That's a payoff. Well, let's kind of step. I'm gonna step back a little bit there, Eric. So I, I did a little research on you. I talked to James and, and and whatnot. And you've been doing this like a long time. I mean, so I think you started off. He mentioned in in South Florida. Or can you maybe take us back to kind of how you got started in track events? I know you mentioned autocross. So what's the what's the genesis of it for you? All right. So uh, in college, I had the Civic, and I. And in, in, even in high school, you know, as a high school student with a car, you do a little bit of hooning, reverse donuts in my Geo Prism, my first car, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so I, I had a mild interest in cars. But if you ask me if I was a car guy, I would say, oh, no, I don't care about cars all that much. Got the Civic. It was a manual. And I've really started enjoying driving a little bit. In college, I found drag racing. I think I went to the drag strip the first time and thought, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I'm never going to get sick of this. And about the third time I went to the drag strip, I said, okay, I'm a little bored. <laughs> Partially because my Civic was running high 16-second quarter miles. <laughs> but still. And then uh, I was in, originally an engineering uh, major in college. And uh, one of my group project engineering partners basically told me about autocross and told me about a guy to get in touch with to get me hooked up with that. And I, I told my parents I was thinking about autocrossing. And they were like, oh, you know, you should probably – just go watch and see how it goes and don't drive this first one. I'm, you know, I'm a little nervous. My mom, my mom, especially, I'm a little nervous about you going and racing your car. You know, don't want you to get hurt. Motherly tendencies. And I said, okay, you know, it's super safe, but if, if you don't, if you don't want to worry about it, then okay. What I ended up doing was running the first autocross and not telling them. Oh. And that, that was a win-win because they didn't worry and, you and I first? still got to autocross yeah. and I ended up fine. So they didn't quite see it the same way, but you know, it was, it was logical in my head at the time. Uh, so autocross is where I started. I did probably 50, 60 events wow. in the civic, uh, before I ended up getting the MR2 and putting a roll bar on that and doing my first track day. Autocrossing was in 2007 was when I started. And then 2011, I think was my first track day. And now we're up at 2019. So Numerous years and of both, but uh, like I said, transition from autocross to track days now. And drifting was kind of in the middle of all that. I would occasionally have uh, CFRC down in Orlando through, put on autocrosses that were different because they sometimes did hot lapping. Like you get three laps to set an autocross time. And uh, at the end of those events, I knew the organizer and he would let me basically go out and do a little drifting and not you know, hit, hit some cones and not worry about it. Autocross can sometimes be a little uh, strict on the drifting. So I got my taste of taste of it there. And then I entered a couple of drift events and realized that I like both of them. And it was, I have to say, it was really entertaining showing up at a drift event with an MR2 with a stock motor and an open diff and no functional really e-brake. Everyone looked at me really weird until I started getting it sideways with a little bit of car control. And they were like, okay, I guess this is working. So that's pretty much my uh, motorsports progression. Wow. So on that note, and I got to ask a, a complicated question, but okay. you've probably got the most diverse background of anybody we've had on. Now, Patrick's got some dirt track racing, so he's got you there. He does. But you have drag racing, 
A little bit, yeah. Autocross. Yes. HPDE. Yep. Real events, I'll call it real-timed events, right? Yep, yeah, several time attacks. And drifting. Yes, lots okay. of drifting. So how do you, how does somebody pick amongst these? I think I know what you're going to say about drag racing, but amongst the others, how, what, what kind of person is right for each event? There's definitely different crowds for each event. Uh, all four that you mentioned and, you know, every, every single genre has its own crowd. I like to call drifting silly, ridiculous fun. Okay. Where you just kind of go out there and you don't get yelled at for pretty much anything. And you can, you know, just try to make some tire smoke and have fun and drift the whole course. And it doesn't really matter if your bumper flies off or, you know, if you touch another car, it's all in good fun. So let's keep going. Track days, I like to call more serious, intense fun. There's obviously more rules, a little more consequence, and that's the reason for the rules. You know, death is a possibility if you go crazy on a track day. So you want to, you know, be sane, be sensible, and be responsible. Drifting, typically, most of the events I go to are parking lot events where you can really mess up and still just have, you know, maybe a totaled car, but you're you're going to be fine. Sure. So there's those those two things. And then autocross, autocross is if you like track days, but you really want competition but you don't want to go it, it's it's cheaper and lower speeds and lower prep and everything if you just want something like you can do in a day and not have to spend three weeks prepping the car and you know for me autocross was oh hey there's an autocross in two days that sounds like fun let's go do that so i'd go do an autocross you know it's it's a lot less prep a lot less danger a lot less everything so got it and what about drag racing who's that right for <sighs> Drag racing. I didn't do too much drag racing. I'm still very bad at it. Um, that's for people who don't like turns. And dare I say, people with, with big wallets and, and less uh, less driving skill until you get to really high horsepower cars. Yeah. If, if you have like a low horsepower car, drag racing is... I mean, granted, I have a 200 horsepower car and I'm sure somebody could hop in my car and probably take a second off my quarter mile time. I'm not saying those don't take skill, but just a different set of skills. And for me, after you get the launch down, the rest is kind of boring and it's also so short of a, of a time. So got it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, jump in and talk about some of those crowds a little bit. So yeah, obviously you're a huge member of our, of our crowd, of our family with Jay Zilla. What, what was your introduction to us? Maybe talk about that. What was your first event, if you can remember? And, and how did you, you get to be a part of the group? So I started down in Florida, and pretty quickly after starting track days, I moved up here to Georgia, uh, partially for the tracks and the mountains and things with curves and the roads and stuff like that. Now, that's commitment. You're the first guy that's also said he moved for track time and curvy roads. Well, yeah, that's that's the one of the main reasons. The other main reason was weather. Ah. But me and my wife did leave like family jobs and everything just for those two reasons. Uh, we moved up here and I did a iTrack event. And I think through that, James had gotten my contact information from Matt or whatever. And he basically had asked me to instruct one of his track days because I instructed with iTrack. Uh, so I instructed, I think it was, I want to say around 2014 or 15 is an AMP event. I know that much. So about five, five, maybe six years ago is when I get involved with Jayzilla. And, you know, I went to their first event I instructed and it was just about the most, like I said, the best event at a track day I've ever had. And, Wanted to keep coming and obviously made it a point to join the family, basically. Awesome. 
Gotcha. So, Rick, I'm going to jump in with one of your questions you sent me since you can't see them. Um, let's uh, let's figure this out. So, what was what would you say is the difference between a drift event, uh, say like an iTrack drift event, and a, an HPDE, say uh, you know again one of our events? What's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. Well, besides the technicality, is there is there a different feel, different crowd? What's the, what would you how would you describe? Yeah, it? there's definitely a different crowd, different feel. Like I said, the the drift events are they're just a lot more carefree. There's there's a lot less rules to follow and, you know, a lot more tire smoke, a lot more broken cars, cars getting broken at the event, car to car contact that is, you know, celebrated compared to an HPDE <laughs> where if you make car to car contact at a track day, it's, it's a bad day for everybody. You might not be invited back. You might, yeah. you might not be invited back, but at a drift event, there's cars tapping each other and Matt, the organizer is fist pumping the air and screaming at the top of his lungs and asking for more like it's it's a completely different environment tire tire chunks hitting you in the face as you're sideways next to another car yeah it's it's you're really selling a drift event i might be at one of these next events now like i said they're very fun (laughs) in a different way yeah it's it's just unrivaled in in the fun aspect track days are very serious fun but drifting is it's just ridiculous and it's hilarious and it's a blast so what about skill level? And I'm going to put you on the spot because Gino did this to me and I thought it made for good answers. Okay. What about skill level to drift in tandem drifts, do whatever is it, you know, advanced in the drifting community versus HPDE running the, the excellent laps, the clean laps that you run at HPDE? So there's definitely a skill set. And I will say that I feel like they're very separate. In some, some cases, there's definitely overlap, though. And I feel like HPDE drivers would benefit greatly from doing a drift day or two or six or 10. There's something to be said. Most of the time you want to keep the car within, you know, less than 10 degrees of slip angle at an HPDE. But if you're an HPDE driver, you've gotten more than 10 degrees of slip angle. Definitely. It happens. And if, if you haven't yet, it's going to happen. And that drift experience can teach you how to recover from that. It can teach you to not panic during those situations, you can have your head on straight because, oh, I've experienced this before at my drift event. I know how much the counters here. I know the, how, how the car is going to come back. And while, while you're actually at a drift event, this the skill set of clutch kicks and left foot braking and, you know, pu- pushing in the clutch and pulling the hydro e-brake, revving up the gas and then dumping the clutch to slow down while maintaining angle next to a car who's also doing this. It's very intense and there's a lot more inputs in a drift event. And you have to be very coordinated with it. I feel like the tandem drifting, which I'm just starting to kind of get mediocre at, is more of a challenge. Huh. Because the point is to get super duper close to another car. And if you mess up, there's big consequences. So you have to work your way slowly up to it. At track days, you can blow your braking zone by quite a bit and go into a gravel trap. And, oh, no, you get towed out and cause some people some, you know, waste of track time. But you don't total your car. Yeah. They can be a small mistake in drifting that can total your car. So I'm trying to work up to it very slowly of getting closer and closer and closer. Um, and that another thing I like to say is at a track day, you can work up your speed very slowly and you can you know, go quite slow at first. Mm-hmm. At a drift event, there is no half drifting. You, you have to go and do it or you don't. Like the, you have to get sideways. You know, obviously you can take your time to initiate the drift and everything like that, but it's, it's kind of a, you dive headfirst into drifting and it's a whole different skill set. 
there's amazing car control at drift events. And I, I personally agree with the Matt at, at iTrack that there's an amazing group of drivers that go to iTrack's events that drift with just amazing skill. There's so many of them that are very good at car control and they could probably pick up HPDE pretty quick yeah. and get pretty, you know, pretty fast. I know there's a couple formula drift drivers that have gone into time attack very successfully. You know, it's interesting. I'll tell a, a story on this point, the training and coaching at Porsche experience center, the hardest thing for me, and I was told for a lot of other HPD guys, is to maintain a slide around their low friction circle. And what I found, and you probably found this too, was as an HPD guy, you want to fix that slide. As soon as you start to feel it, your reaction is, oh, God, no, I want to get rid of that. Because normally you have that at 100 miles an hour in a sweeper and things are very dangerous. But at low speed on a drift circuit, on a low friction circuit you want to let that come out. You let it step out twice as far, three times as far, and you hold on to it. And for me, that was so counterintuitive. It was very difficult. Did you find the same thing? Yeah, for sure. And this comes back to, for instance, I did a track day at Friday at Road Atlanta during the day with Jay Zilla. Mm -hmm. And then across the street immediately afterwards was an iTrack drift event. So I did a track day during the day and then immediately switched my brain to drift and went across the street and did a drift event. So you have, there's just this completely different uh, instincts and habits that you have to basically switch. I actually, this past weekend, I was at a two-day event and I helped Kevin Bandy, who's an HPD instructor, very yep. experienced grip driver. He's learning how to drift. He had a Miata that was pretty bad drift car. I let him drive my 350Z, which is a very easy to drift drift car. And it was hilarious trying to get him to basically break all these rules in his head and these yep. habits that he has from track to when you, you know, go really fast and initiate the drift and you, they typically track day drivers can get it sideways, but it's catching it and keeping it sideways. He was trying to fight the car, fight the car, fight the car. And I told, I said to Kevin, let go of the wheel. When you initiate a drift, you can very easily just let go of the wheel and it will counter steer itself up to the, where you want it to stay. And that's when you grab the wheel and get in the gas to maintain the drift. Wow. And as soon as he was, you know, habitually letting go of the wheel and being comfortable with that and doing it at the right time, it was like a light bulb switched in his head and he was linking the whole course and basically having a ton of fun, keeping it sideways for the whole thing. And yeah, those habits have to be basically ignored or overwritten or, you know, like I said, for me, the switch, I can go back and forth. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when I'm at a track day, I'd like to switch a little bit to see if I can get a black flag to pop out. But <laughs> you dial in a little with a Patrick Daughtry, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> so you guys probably not going to ask this question. So what do you prefer? Do you prefer blasting around the track, trying to get the lowest time, or do you prefer hooting around at a drift circuit? What's If you had to pick one, what do you think? You, what favors you? See, that's the thing is I can't pick one. Uh, there's there's been times in my life <laughs> when I do four or five track days in a row. And at the end of, you know, as those track days go along, I sit there and think to myself, man, I really want to do a drift event. Those are fun. So then I start doing some more drift events and I probably do four or five drift events in a row and I get to midway through there and I'm thinking, man, track days are fun. I need to do more track days. So basically I need both in my life. There's no way I could pick one. They're, they're, they, they satisfy different itches. Awesome. And so I guess I'll kind of go into this. So it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. So is your MR2 going to become more of that, that DE track day car and you bought the Z to kind of feed that addiction on the other end, or are they still going to be multi-purpose or? Uh, I will still occasionally drift the MR2. 
Uh, I got to the point in drifting where I was very comfortable by myself. I could pretty much link most drift courses in the MR2 by myself. But like I said, with, with drifting and tandem and getting close to other cars, you know, car to car contact is encouraged, not really encouraged, but <laughs> not just not frowned upon like it is at HPDE. And it's going to happen basically. And my MR2 is nice. And I put a ton of money. Well, not really nice, but I put a wrap on it. It looks good. Now I put a ton of money into it and, I want it to not be crushed or, you know, beat up, which what typically happens to drift cars. Well, that's how you lost your first MR2. Yeah, so that, that is how I lost it. Not drifting, but, you know, hitting a wall. Um, but then also the MR2 kind of needed more steering angle. It couldn't ha have as much angle while drifting. And the Z has more steering angle. And I think also the mid-engine aspect kind of held it back. Also, the MR2 has a Honda motor, so there's no torque. The Z has a V6 with a lot of torque, so it's a lot easier to slide the back end of the car. Uh, the MR2 has a ton of rear grip, so if you lose RPMs into the no torque, or basically you're going really fast. And I, I found that even at 50 psi on China tires on 195s in the rear of the MR2, I was faster than almost everybody in the turns at the drift event. Mm. It was a hard for me to go slow enough to tandem drift with people. So the Z is it's a beater. It's a great way for me to practice getting close to other cars. It's easier to slide. It's not quite so manic behind the wheel. I can be a little more relaxed and comfortable and focus on getting close to other cars. So the Z is taking over drift duty, but the MR2 looks really good sideways. So I really don't think I'll be giving up all drifting in the MR2. Every mod I do to the exterior, I think I need better pictures of this sideways. So let me do another drift event in the MR2. <laughs> So for a guy like me that doesn't really do a lot of the drifting, you know, events and things like that, what's the uh, cost difference between doing a, a couple HPDs a year versus doing a couple of drift events a year? So drifting typically has lower entry fees and, you know, there's consumables at HPDE, but the drift events have consumables and tires per event. I've, I've had uh, several events where I've gone through eight brand new tires on the rear in one event and Whoa. that's one day. However, there's also different times like this past weekend. It was a two-day event. The entry fee was 175 which is really cheap for a two-day event, right? right? And I brought eight sticker tires, eight brand-new tires, which, you know, the total, like, they were basically the four we used were about $60 each. And I used basically two tires for the entire two days with two drivers that were splitting the track time. And it was 20, I think 22 or 23 hours of open track. What made the difference between those two events? Uh, well, one of them was hot lapping. So I was ah. out there for 10, 15 minutes, 20 at a time, doing lap after lap after lap. This past weekend, it was do one run, which is about 40 seconds, mm -hmm. and then get back in line and wait for a good 30 seconds to a couple minutes, let the tires cool off, and let the power steering cool off, yep. all sorts of oil and everything like that. So basically, that, that continuous drifting is what shredded the tires. Uh, I will say that typically lower power cars will not go through tires nearly as much as that. Uh, so we basically spent about $120 in tires for this two day weekend and then 175 in entry fee. Uh, there's high power cars that will go through 16 to 20 tires in one two day event weekend. Ooh. So depending on how much they want to spend on grippy tires to go fast while drifting, or if they want to get cheap tires to, you know, keep the budget down, it's kind of like HPDE. You can run Hoosiers or you can run a uh, 300 Treadwear, you know, double duty tire where you get a lot more life and you can still drive home from the track, you know. It's, but I will say the tire cost is much higher in drifting, but entry costs are lower. So 
you can typically get out of a weekend for a little less at a drift event, but after you get HPD instructor status, then you, you start saving a lot of money there. So I assume there's no instructor status at drift events. So funny enough, now there is. Ah. iTrack is changing things. They have drift clinics now where they have drift instructors. This didn't exist when I started drifting, which was kind of funny because I started drifting the MR2. And my second or my third drift event down in Florida, there was a, uh, I asked, basically asked, I said, can, is there anybody experienced who can help me learn to drift? And they were like, okay, yeah, sure. I guess we can satisfy this strange request. So this guy that had been drifting a 240SX for years and years got in my car and he watched how I drifted or tried. And then uh, he sat there and said, you know, maybe I should drive it so I can give you better input on how to drift it. And I said, okay, sure, go ahead, take it for a spin. So we go out, he initiates and spins it immediately. He's like, okay, you have to adjust to the car. It's a different car. Nobody drifts an MR2, so... Initiates again, spins immediately up onto this dirt berm. There was grass and dirt shoved in between my tire and my wheel. I basically had a flat tire because of it, and I had to come off and fix that. He apologized profusely and said, you know, you're doing better than me. I don't think I can give you any help. Sorry. So that, that was the extent of my instruction. But now that iTrack has clinics, you, you have an entire day where basically you have an instructor with you teaching you to let go of the wheel when the car gets sideways. No, you needed to stay in the gas more. So there's a lot more instruction now at, at one of those events. And he's working it into more events to have instruction available for novice drivers and even intermediate or advanced drivers to just up their game to make it more similar to HPDE where there is so much education involved. Yeah. And there's a, an important difference there for our listeners, especially new folks who might be coming to a new Jayzilla event. As an instructor, do not let go of the wheel while you're on the track. <laughs> that is for drifting only. That is not our advice. Yes, I agree. Do not do that in HPDE, but for drifting, go for it. Well, I'm going to jump in with uh, one of Rick's questions that he had in his outline. Um, so at what point did you realize you're one of the faster guys um, in our in our events and on the HPDE side? Did, I mean, I don't know if you if you realize how quick you are, but at what point did you realize hey, I'm actually pretty pretty good at this uh, at this uh, discipline? So I have a kind of funny story. It was my second track day ever. It was at the Firm in Stark, Florida. Yes. The only thing they're famous for is having a prison and the racetrack. <laughs> um, I basically had emailed them saying I had one weekend at Sebring with with an instructor, two days. And I want to do a track day at the firm. Do I need an instructor? They said, oh, you have one track day experience. You're fine. So I show up and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll figure it out for myself. Learn the new track, et cetera. I'm having a blast. I got over three hours of track time because it was an open track and there's probably 10 cars there. So free track to basically to myself. I found a Porsche 911. I forget what year, early 2000s to play with, right? So I'm playing with him. He's gapping me hardcore on the straights because I have my stock motor and, you know, it's 911. But I'm immediately catching him in the next turn. So that goes on for a couple laps and he ends up pulling off and I think I had been on track for 40 minutes at that point. So I was like, maybe I should take a break too. So we pull off and turns out that you can hire an instructor for a, for a session basically at the firm, at, you know, back in the early days. And uh, the instructor hops out of the passenger seat and continues to give him a little coaching, you know, so you want to break later for this turn and apex here. And, you know, I have to go, but if you go back out, follow him pointing to me, <laughs> he really knows what he's doing and then walks away. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this is my second track day ever. Apparently the instructor thinks I'm pretty good. 
maybe I'm pretty good. So that's pretty much where I started getting a big head already. I tried to keep it to a minimum, but that, that was when I realized, you know, I had 70 autocrosses experience. So I knew car control and it was just applying it to higher speeds. So, well, we were just discussing before this uh, podcast that autocross can be an excellent skill builder for the track day community. While I'm not a big fan because it's not particularly time efficient and my time these days is worth more than, uh, you know, the dollars for a track day, but it is an opportunity to be at the limit for 40 seconds or 60 seconds straight where you can't, you don't really even do that in a track day. Yeah, for sure. I, I really liked autocross in the beginning, especially mostly because of cost. It's a, it's a very cheap way to get seat time. And I was in college, I was poor. I could do autocross events, but I couldn't afford track days. Now, granted, if I saved up for, you know, the money from six autocross or 10 autocross events, I could have done a track day. But for me, getting on track more frequently was a priority. So I learned a lot autocrossing in the Civic and in the MR2. And it's just a very manic run and manic driving experience. You're on the limit. You're throwing the car around left, right, oversteer, understeer, you name it. You get to experience it all very suddenly. And it also kind of prepares you. There's a lot of people that get on track for the first time if they've never done an autocross and they're nervous and they're panicky. But if you've done an autocross before, you have a much crazier experience under your belt and you're a lot calmer. You kind of are prepared for the hecticness that is the track. Gotcha. Well, let's kind of of talk a little about the future. This was actually a question from James uh, himself. Uh, what's oh. your ultimate goal in, in motorsport? I mean, are you uh, are you happy with what you're doing now? Do you have higher aspirations in the future? So what, what's next for you? What, what are you working towards uh, in, in the hobby? Uh, well, pretty much staying where I am is my goal. Uh, I will say I do have an interest in dabbling in some wheel-to-wheel racing, for instance, Champ Car or something like that. It's never been a high enough priority or desire to dedicate the money to it with renting a seed or finding a team and investing in it, you know, the fire suit and all that sort of stuff. But I'm very happy doing HPDEs with my friends, doing drift events with my friends. I do want to get better at tandem drifting, but I don't see competition in drifting ever in my future. I may eventually get back into some time trials or time attack events with the MR2 like I did in the past, but at the same time, it's almost more fun to go with my friends and just throw a timer in the car and compete against myself and my friends informally. Uh, it's, it's less stress. And, you know, if I do want to take seven people or 10 people out on track in a weekend, which I have done, which is kind of funny that my car was yellow because it was the taxi for a while. Uh, you know, I really like giving ride-alongs. So not doing the competition kind of lends itself to that, where I can go fast for a session or two and I can give numerous people ride-alongs and give them the ride of their life that they've never experienced before, which I really enjoy. So, And, and let's talk about I me mean, because you do a lot of events. I, I remember a couple of years ago, I did a Jayzilla event at A&P, and I think I did the iTrack event at, at Barber. I was like, no one's going to be crazy enough to do this. And sure enough, you were there the next day. So how many events do you, do, you, do, you, do you keep count? What do you think you do every year as far as the number of events, both drift and, and, and DE and time trials and things like that? Uh, I do have a track log. I could give you more detailed and uh, exact information if I looked at it. But I would say probably it, it for a while there, I was going crazy, especially right after I did the case walk. I think I did 12 track days in about seven or eight months trying you know trying to get used to that car and have make use of it after all that time it was down 
but on average nowadays, it's pretty much about six to eight track days, maybe 10 at the most, and maybe about the same drift events. Uh, Friday night at, with iTrack is almost like a half day, but I'd probably do a good number of those. So I mean, that might bump the number up to 10 or 12 drift events a year, but yeah, probably six to eight track days. Gotcha. Well, let me ask you this. Is there a bunch of guys that make the crossover from the, that you know that do both the drift and, and the D stuff, or, or are you about the only one? You cut out, and I don't know what you said. Gotcha. Is there a bunch of guys that, that do the dual transition, that, that do DEs and the drift stuff, or are you about the only one that does that? Uh, there's actually a growing number, and I'd like to think that's because there's people like me encouraging HPDE guys to come over to the drift side and – experience car control from a whole new light and you know extreme loss of control being able to recover it so there's there's a growing number and there's a lot of people also that are coming over from the track side to the drift side and finding it fun as well not just so there's a there's a decent number uh, it's growing and but a while back it was very very few you can yeah. add another one for next season because i'm going to come try this out nice <laughs> So, hey, Rick, before we jump into lightning round, do you have anything anything else you want to touch on? So it didn't dawn on me until I saw Eric tonight and he pulled up in his beautiful car and I saw the, the low splitter and the big old wing, a, a good nine lives wing. And I remembered him using this car in a very non-traditional way. I, I seem to recall you used it as a snowplow and helped out the Alabama DOT one winter. Yeah, so I left Atlanta, and it was starting to just barely snow. And I was headed west to uh, TGPR, Little Tally Raceway. There was a drift event there at the Full Road Course, which was awesome. And uh, I was also going to meet my friend Eric Hux of Hux Racing to basically have a dyno for uh, time trials to put down my power and be able to class myself. He is about an hour south of that, basically in the middle of nowhere in Alabama. Well, it's about a three-hour drive. By the time I got from Atlanta to his house, I think it had snowed six to eight inches at his house. Basically, I was dancing through the snow with my two 25-millimeter-wide autocross tires, race tires, whatever, uh, with a car loaded full of drift tires and gear to camp at the track. And it was, it was a little bit of a hairy situation driving that MR2 in the snow. I will say it's a pretty decent snow vehicle if you have proper tires the, the autocross tires weren't proper tires. I ended up switching them on the side of the road for my drift tires, which had more tread and were a little narrower. But I didn't get stuck. I didn't spin off the road until I got to his driveway, which was completely fresh, and I got stuck there. But he towed me up with his little tiny SUV. So, so to be clear, you changed your HPDE tires to drift tires on the side of the road in a snowstorm. Oh, yes, very much. Okay. On your car that's two and a half inches high <laughs> yes. and eight inches of snow. Just want to get our measurements right for the, for the listeners. Yes. The, the, there was definite fear that I was going to get stuck on the side of the road. I drove for quite a while trying to pick the perfect spot to pull over where I would hopefully not get stuck. <laughs> I changed the tires and I probably saw two cars in the time, the 40, 40 minutes about I was changing tires in the snow, trying to not to lose anything in the snow. Uh, but thankfully I've, put the tires on and pulled right out and made it all the way to his house, which was about 20, 25 minutes from his house, by the way, I was almost there. And I was thinking, can I make it? Can I make it? I can make it. And then I started, 
you know, getting some crazy oversteer at 15 miles an hour. And I thought maybe I should put the other tires on. Perhaps. <laughs> good, good decisions. <laughs> so, Gino, with that, we probably should get to a lightning round. I gosh, y'all. So we like to have full lightning round that I don't even really know when it became a thing, but we're gonna, we've been doing it for the last couple of uh, interviews. So basically, we're going to ask some fun questions. Uh, quick answers, all related to Jay Zilla for the most part. So uh, I'll kind of jump in. I'll cater this one to you since uh, we we always try to do this. We do it for Patrick. We'll do it for you. Uh, if you had to pick a four-driver team, and for your case, to do both, uh, do some drift events and do a DE, who would be your four Jay Zilla drivers that could do it successfully, not including yourself? All right. So I also have to propose that you, Gino, and Rick are off limits for me. Yes. So I'm going to pick four drivers other than you two and myself. Fair enough. Uh, for drifting, obviously, the, you know, the and track, Patrick Doherty. Like, there's, there's, that's obvious. I don't have to explain that one. Uh, my, my second probably is Nick Thompson. Me and him, we have such similar cars and lot times, and we have the best time on track, and I have full confidence in his driving. Uh, I would, third, I would probably say Jason Owens. He's pretty beast behind the wheel, and uh, he would be pretty useful there. And especially with drifting in mind, he hasn't done many drift events, but that doesn't stop him as well. It's kind of like Patrick. I'm going to say Sonny Chen. Ooh. Ooh, that's I'm going to throw that one out. All right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. He's, and he's not afraid to hit a wall if he needs to. That, that's where oh the drifting gosh. comes in. He, <laughs> he, he would be a good drifter. I don't know why he hasn't done it yet, but he, he has the drifting spirit at HPDEs, so that would be perfect. We need to promote Sonny. <laughs> yes, I yes. like that. We need, we need to work on that, and we'll get, we'll get him on. So, uh, moving on. So, uh, going back to your Jay Zilla stuff, what is your best Jay Zilla moment, whether it's uh, like most of the guys in night at Charlotte, maybe it's a near miss, maybe it's actually a mo- moment in the paddock. What's your favorite uh, Jay Zilla moment or memory that you have? Hmm, that's a good question that I hadn't come up with an answer yet for. I don't want to say Charlotte like everybody else, but Charlotte. <laughs> it's kind of epic. It, it really is. Just the, the lights going that fast at night and the bus stop. I, at first, I was kind of disappointed that the bus stop was put in because I was really looking forward to flying into the NASCAR bank and, you know, hauling butt around the bank at however many miles an hour. But the bus stop was the most fun turn on that track and going through there and praying that you didn't miss something up and hit one of the barriers was pretty much the highlight of my event that, and I've only done Charlotte once. I missed it the first time and I made a point to come out the second time and it was way up there on my motorsports experiences. So I'd say Charlotte. Is there anywhere at Charlotte you can drift? I'm sorry. Is there any turns at Charlotte that you can drift? Any, any of them. Are there, are there ones that you prefer? Uh, well, you know, I was at an HPDE, so I was trying to keep it on, keep it, keep it controlled. Uh, if I had to think about it, I think I could drift almost anything but the banks. Yeah. I think I could drift almost any turn in the infield and the bus stop. And the bus stop. Yeah, I could drift the bus stop at full speed. Third gear, yeah, that'd be easy. Whew. Now it, you're a brave man. If you go next year, I'm not telling you to do it, but I would like to. Say <laughs> In no way are we advocating this, but I'd like to ride with you, and you might accidentally overcook the bus. <laughs> and, and I'd like and I, to, and I'd, I'd like to drive Rick's car with a camera behind you. Just that, not, if this all coincidentally happened, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. 
I may have to bring some extra tires that are not as grippy in order to get achieve this. But you know, we'll just set, we'll tell James I'm driving home on those tires. Uh-huh. Gotcha. <laughs> um, you may have answered it just now, but what is your favorite Jaysla track that you've been to that's on our schedule? Oh, it's not Charlotte. Actually, that experience was amazing. However, Barber is my favorite track of all time. I love Barber. Every time Jaysla goes, I need to be there. Going to be there in about a less than yeah, a week. less than a week. So I'm excited yeah. for that. I, I I can't get enough of Barber. The, the the layout is great. The facilities are epic. Yeah, Barber's it. Gotcha. What is uh? And this is a fun one. Who is your arch rival in the group? Um, it, who's that guy? When you get a point by, it makes your whole day, and you're just having a good time. So Nick Thompson, I'd say, is my rival. Uh, me and him have similar cars with, with a turbo Miata mostly, but also his eliminator is not that far off in terms of lap times. There's a funny story about this. Just recently, he had went to Barber, and I think it was this in his eliminator, but he posted, oh, I got it. I ran a, I think it was a 144.6 or something. And I said, oh, man, my fastest lap, there's a 144.59. I beat you by a hundredth of a second. And he comes back and says, Actually, I rounded up. Mine was a 144.58. Oh, man. So he beat me by a hundredth of a second. <laughs> Basically, me and him are so dead even at almost every track day. We have the best time chasing each other, and it's it's a blast. Gotcha. Now, you're a guy that's kind of been around the, around the Southeast a lot. Is there a track that's not on the Jays' list schedule that you think we need to go to? Uh, yeah, except it's not cool. It's possibly the Southeast. VIR. That's the South We'll East, call yeah. it the Southeast because we need to go to VIR. We need to go to VIR. It's not that much. It's closer than Sebring. Okay. How you do know? you describe VIR? I've never been there. That's partially why we need to go because I've heard it's just motorsports mecca. I know the track from sim racing and all that stuff. And it's, it's just a good variety of corners, some straightaways, some good flow sections, the you know uphill S's that I can't wait to try. I, the VIR course just seems perfect. It seems like Barber on a whole new level. So, Well, having actually been there, I, I agree. We do need to go there. But I will add a, add a little challenge to that. I think we need to get a bunch of us together one year and, and do the 24-hour so we can all do it at night. So maybe we can oh, uh, wow. put that in the, in, the future, in the future plans there. So, uh, James, <laughs> if you're listening, we need a DVIR. But, uh, Rick, do you have any, <laughs> Rick, you have anything you want to jump in and add in, in, during this? or? Well, you, you took all my questions since I didn't print them out this time and I wasn't prepared, but no, uh, you know, I just want to thank Eric for coming out and uh, for being our first in-person guest on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me guys. I really enjoyed it and I don't like phones, so I had to do the face-to-face thing. <laughs> well, that, that's all right. Well, uh, we do like to end on a good thing and, and I'll just reiterate the same thing. Thanks for coming on. You're a really cool character because man, you just do it all. Um, if you had one message for the Jay Zilla family, what would that be? Just keep doing what you're doing and have fun. Don't worry about a lot of things besides getting on track and having a good time. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Eric, for coming on. I look forward to seeing you. And I know Rick uh, at at Barber here, well, I guess that's in a week or six days. So we'll see you there. Um, Again, if you guys are in the the garage and you see him in his MR2, please go say hey because he is one of the most talented uh, guys in the garage. If you have a chance to get a ride, uh, which he's always handing them out, take it. Uh, but then that, uh, Eric, thank you again, and we'll see you guys. I guess I'll see you guys Monday, and the rest of you guys, hopefully we'll see you in the next podcast. Excellent. Thanks, Gino. Thanks, Gino. 
All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed episode eight as much as I did. Thank you again to Eric Olson for your time and coming on to speak with Rick and I. To all you listeners, I apologize for that bad audio for about the first five minutes, some of the growing pains of starting a new podcast. But we look forward to seeing you in episode number nine or at Barbara Motorsports Park this Monday. But that concludes episode eight of the JZilla podcast.